Hello, hello, this is Domin from Audio Epics, and we are here today with the fourth chapter of Witch Hunter. If you have not yet listened to chapters 1, 2, and 3, then just go back and listen to them first, because this is one continuous story. Also be aware that if you want, you can already experience the entire story when you buy our USB flash drive cleverly disguised as a nostalgic cassette tape on audiobooksontape.com. This product not only contains the entire story, it also contains the music, uh, wallpapers, uh, even a behind-the-scenes little feature. Um, it's a map of Seven Peaks drawn by my good friend Miaela Rotea and a bunch of other beautiful illustrations by other people such as Ilias Vertenten, Eva Brarens and myself. You can also purchase the entire story as a download on our Bandcamp page. Just go to bandcamp.com and look for Audio Epics and you will find the Witch Hunter, the Witch Hunter the Dramatized audiobook. And something I haven't mentioned before, um, there's actually also a novel for those of you who just prefer to read. Um, yes, you can you can just read it as a book um, or as an ebook. Just look for it on uh, on Amazon. Now it, it turns out that there are quite a, a number of uh, books out there with the title Witch Hunter or The Witch Hunter or something like that. So um, just type in Witch Hunter Domain, you know my name, and then you'll you'll quickly find my novel. I've heard some people actually like to uh, read the novel while they're listening to the story, so <laughs> you get both at once. But let's forget about that and listen to the next chapter of Witch Hunter. Dies Irae A small hearth was the only source of warmth in the mayor's study. Lady Hoskave stood like a statue in the middle of the room, regal and untouchable. Ludlove was pacing from the window to the door and back, his hands clasped on his back. He felt his heart racing with fear, well aware of what was to follow. Lady Hoskave would push him towards something more extreme to frighten the magicians out of using their abilities and he would be forced to cease conversing with Semina. This dark visitor. His appearance didn't make sense. Such a terrifying figure couldn't possibly have come from the goddess. But then, what other explanation was there? Either this teacher had abilities with illusion magic that Ludlov had never encountered before, or he really was something more than human. Stop that and look at me, Ludlov. We have important matters to discuss. Ludlov looked up. The Grand General's stern face immediately brought him back to the present. She stared at him, her expression inscrutable. It was silent for a brief time, until she started talking in a very low voice that left absolutely no room for dissension. There is something I need to tell you, Ludlov. It's a bitter truth, but it must be told. Ludlov didn't like the sound of this one bit. He swallowed hard. Lady Hoskiv sighed and walked over to the window. She seemed to be trying to peer into the darkness of the city through the reflection of her own silhouette, which was surrounded by the yellow light of the hearth glimmering on the window panes. I have been seriously considering putting the magicide act into effect. Ludlov stiffened. Some part of him had been thinking that perhaps he had been too much of a pessimist. But this, this was worse than anything he had considered. Lady Hoskiv continued, taking no notice of Ludlov's reaction. As you know, this law has existed for years, but a choice of whether or not to enforce it has been left to the judgment of the Grand General. Today is the day when I say we have seen enough. The time has come, Ludlov. Ludlov couldn't believe it. The Magicide Act? Are you truly going to do this? His eyes were wide. She clearly didn't like the tone of voice in that question. A coldness arose between Lady Hoskiv and Ludlov, 
like a sudden winter breeze blowing in. Yes, I have been doubting for a long time, but now I am convinced. My mind is made up. But Lady Hoskiv, blindly following the orders of that messenger is nothing short of selling the very soul of our order. Ludlov immediately regretted his dramatic response. Lady Hoskiv turned from the window, her thin eyebrows lowered in a stern frown. You know as well as I did, it has always been unavoidable, Ludlov. Killing all magicians is the only way of preserving the sacred stones for the greater good, and remember that is still our priority. Unavoidable? Killing hundreds, maybe thousands of people at the whim of one unknown maniac? Do you truly believe such an act is unavoidable? Lady Hoskiv rarely raised her voice, but Ludlov had angered her to this point. Did you not see what just happened in that room, Ludlov? A being that commands light and darkness at the snap of a finger is not to be trifled with. Ludlov couldn't avoid exasperated sarcasm creeping into his voice. Of course. He's clearly powerful, therefore we should trust him. Sankta Gwendala would be most proud of such a line of reasoning. A man who conjures up images of death and evil with ease must surely be a true emissary of the goddess. He felt uneasy speaking so disrespectfully to his lady, but he couldn't help it. It was like the words just came out of his mouth of their own volition. His sorcery should turn you against him. To Ludlow's relief, Lady Hoskiv ignored his biting tone. Just tell me, Ludlow, why do you think a sorcerer would command us to eradicate his own kind? And why would he use magic to make his point? The only explanation can be that he was using magic from a source beyond the stones. He was using magic that was given to him by a being from beyond our very plane of existence. She meant the goddess. But Ludlov suspected the devil Lucas to be the more likely donor of that magic. He didn't dare to say it. The Grand General saw the uncertainty in his eyes and sighed. The coldness between them seemed to slowly melt away. She stepped closer to him. My friend, be honest with yourself. You know I speak the truth. The sacred text predicted this time. Even the coming of dark messengers prophesying the wrath of the goddess has long been foretold. All the pieces of the puzzle are falling into place. Can you not see the greater picture? What she said was true. But Ludlov had his own opinions of these texts. Those were late additions to the Scriptura Sancta, and they are still subject to debate. He sat down in a chair next to the mayor's desk. He knew he had put himself in a very uncomfortable position with those words, and he avoided the Grand General's searching gaze. Are you telling me you doubt the Scriptura Sancta themselves, Ludlov? Is that what you're trying to tell me? You do realize I should have you arrested at once if that is the case, don't you? Besides, those late additions, as you call them, are clearly proving to be correct. Open your eyes. Ludlov found himself staring at the polished wood of the mayor's desk, trying to remain still and calm, but unable to appease the fire that was rising in his heart. His heart thundered with conviction, indignation, and anger. Finally, he composed himself and met the Grand General's gaze. My eyes are open, lady. And I say to you, if that creature was indeed an emissary of our goddess, then she is not what I have believed my whole life. Lady Hoskiv's eyes widened. What? This is blasphemy! No, it is not, because that is not the goddess, lady. Ludlov gestured towards the dining room where the teacher's visitation had taken place. That can only be the enemy. With those words, the coldness returned to the conversation. Listen very closely to me, Ludlov. 
If you will not follow my command, then you will be the enemy. The prophecies predicted a time would come when the power of the sacred stones would be emptied by those who use it vainly. Many of these magicians may be innocent in their hearts, but they do threaten our world, whether they intend to or not. The time has now come and only through their sacrifice can we be safe from the hordes of the evil. Their sacrifice? That implies they have something to say about it. Lady Hoskiff didn't respond, so he continued. True sacrifice is a willful act at one's own expense for a greater good. What you speak of is nothing like that. It is a sacrificial offering, like the offerings of innocent lives that the barbarians in the mountains make to appease their monstrous gods. It is not the sort of sacrifice one makes for the goddess who created all of us out of love. Lady Hoskiv simply shook her head. Your hopelessly idealistic vision of the world will not help any of us, Ludlov. The world is not a beautiful place and it never will be. Violence is the way of the world and at times I fear it must be the way of our order, whether we like it or not. Now is not the time for weakness and mercy. He looked at her, feeling defeated. He had hoped with all his heart that he could change her mind. Much like Adomir had been like a father to him, so Lady Hoskiff had been like a mother. While she had always been somewhat aloof, her commanding presence, her nuance and her intellect had inspired him throughout the years. He had always admired her, and she had always been there, a single reliable certainty in this strange world. The thought of losing her, so shortly after the death of his mentor, filled him with a deeper fear than he could have ever guessed. Still, he needed to be honest with himself. Something was changing in Lady Hoskiv. She might never be the same again. My lady, I... I cannot believe I have to hear such words coming from your mouth. He rose from his chair and pointed his finger at her. You are the one who taught me to be strict but fair. I am, and this is precisely what those words mean, Ludlov. I will order the enforcement of the Magicide Act, and all witch hunters will participate in it, including you, my friend. Before the next morning sun has risen, I will already have assembled the death squads, and you will be among them. Not a single magic user will be spared. Suspects will be questioned harshly and put to death when they confess. This is the only way for the stones to remain safe, as is the will of the goddess. If you will not join us, then you will be on the other side. The witch hunter bowed his head. So it was true. The Grand General had finally succumbed to the fear and panic pervading the city. It felt like a knife in the back, and yet somehow he couldn't feel any real anger towards her. It was like there was a disease spreading through Seven Peaks. A plague of willful blindness and the stubborn denial of any moral responsibility. Of course, it was tempting to believe that one need only to remove the magicians, and then all of Seven Peaks' deeply infested problems would vanish, and the evil would never take it. All it required was the blood of those no one would really be missing anyway. When sensible people offered this as a solution, of course it was easy to join their voices. There was just one problem. Their solution meant killing people whose only crime consisted of their deep connections to the world and the true nature of the goddess, as Ludlov remembered her. People like Samina. People like Maria. This he could not accept. Not now. Not ever. The very suggestion made his blood boil. He walked towards the door, and as he held the door handle, he turned one last time towards Lady Hoskiv and said, I realize I cannot change your mind, Lady. 
I will return home, think, and tomorrow you will know my decision. He already knew he was never going to participate in the Magicide Act, but the lady needn't know that. So be it, Lidloff. I will return to the headquarters near the Grand Cathedral. So be it indeed. A fleeting semblance of sympathy shone from the Grand General's eyes. Ludloff, history will forgive us. His hand still on the door handle, Ludloff nodded. Yes, history will, but the dead will not. He opened the door and left the room. That conversation marked the beginning of the end. Death did not reply. I had one night, one single night, maybe less, to get Samina out of that dungeon and into safety, somewhere where no one would find her. The ageless man stroked his chin, musing on Ludlow's words. You had already made your decision by then, hadn't you? You knew you would rather betray the oaths of obedience you had sworn to your order than allow her to perish. I did, but whether I acted out of concern for her well-being, or out of some desperate attempt to find out more about the Black Sickle, I cannot say, for I don't know it. Unexpectedly, Death rose, and without explanation the old man shuffled off into the darkness, leaving Ludlow in the soft candlelight. He felt terribly alone for a moment, as helpless as a small child. Then the old man returned, carrying a massive book, bound in a sort of ruddy leather Ludlow had never seen before. There was a golden lock keeping it firmly shut. Death didn't need a key to open it, Once he had returned to his seat opposite the witch hunter, a mere gentle touch sufficed to open the lock. Death then proceeded to wet the tip of his finger and skim patiently through the pages. Ludlow did not ask what sort of book it was, but simply waited, spellbound by what he was witnessing. Eventually, Death reached the page he had been looking for and stopped. With his index finger, he traced the lines of text, mumbling the words under his breath. Then he stopped and nodded to himself. Ah, here we are. He cast a brief glance at Ludlow and then read from the book. When he read from the book, Death's voice suddenly changed to resemble Ludlow's own. How can I have doubts about saving a single innocent soul? when such horrors are upon so many of them. When the magicide starts, it will not hold for any reason until every last drop of magical blood has been spilled. I must act. But Samina first. Then he looked up again and met Ludlow's eyes with an expectant twinkle. You have my thoughts. Ludlow felt somewhat embarrassed. Every word. Ludlow couldn't help but smile. Then why do you need me to tell you my story? You've got it all right there. Death chuckled and shook his head. <laughs> They all ask that. My dear man, do you think I am the one who needs you to tell your story? Ludlow was confused. I thought you were here to judge me. The timeless man simply shook his head emphatically. I will not judge you, Ludlow. You will.
The cell door was unlocked hastily and thrown wide open, awakening Samina out of a shallow, troublesome sleep. Samina! The witch hunter rushed towards her. What are you doing here? Her voice was hoarse. She was apparently still not quite sure whether she was dreaming or awake. Ignoring her question, Ludlov simply said, Hold absolutely still and don't make a sound. Then he revealed the axe in his hand. He kneeled and took hold of her right ankle. Her widening eyes showed she understood what he was about to do, likely hoping he hadn't thought of this in some drunken rush. Ludlov raised the axe high above his head, and with a powerful swing, the blade came down. Samina shook and closed her eyes involuntarily. The chains burst and clattered on the ground with a piercing sound. You're free. Then Ludlov stood up, pulling her with him by her arm. Instinctively, Samina started fighting him and protesting his brutish actions. Let me go! Ludlov released his grip, but looked at her with stern annoyance. There is no time for courtesy now, Samina. We must go. I've had to knock out a guard outside who could wake up at any moment and sound the alarm. If you will not join me now, tomorrow they will kill you. She immediately stiffened and eyed him suspiciously. Why do you say that? I I thought... I thought I would be questioned. I thought so too. But the Grand General has suddenly decided that all magicians are to be killed right away. Ludlov could tell she was unable to process the full extent of his words. She simply seemed dazed. Perhaps it was better this way as there was no time to really allow it to sink in. He was about to return to the cell door but then he held still, realizing they were no longer alone. Out of the door opening, a familiar figure emerged. Small and frail, those traits of his body contrasted by his opulent clothing. Well, well. There was a bemused smile on the mayor's face. What is this? What are you doing here, sir? The mayor sneered. What am I doing here? (laughs) He pointed at his own chest with one bony finger. I think the question of what you are doing here is rather more pertinent, don't you? Although, of course, I think the answer is quite obvious. Pursing his lips, the mayor scanned the environment. A knocked-out guard, a forced door, a broken chain, a pretty girl on the eve of her execution, and a lonely man standing together in the dark. Poignant, I have to say. He grinned. It made him look old and mean. Ludlow was taken aback by the casual cynicism in Grundheim's voice. He had never heard him speak like this. Can you not see, Ludlow? She's bewitching you. All those pathetic efforts of feigning disdain towards her. Anyone could see right through those. Samina dared to step forward and said, I do not bewitch, sir. I could not. The mayor granted her no more than a mocking glance for a reply and then turned to the witch hunter. What are you trying to achieve here, my friend? I have to save her, Master Grundheim. That is all. To Ludlov's enormous surprise, the mayor nodded. Of course. Nothing more. Betraying the order that gave your life meaning will do. Spitting on the memory of the mentor who took you under his wing in your darkest hour, that's all. Ludlov shook his head. He would not fall for this. Grundheim would not use Adomir's memory as a tool to play on his sense of duty and devotion. He would not be manipulated. That is what you are doing, Ludlov. The mayor gave him a meaningful look. Ludlov sensed that Samina was trying to make eye contact with him, but he felt a need to avoid her gaze. Please, sir. Just allow me to save her life. Becky, now? I expected more from you, Ludlov. Ludlov the mighty witch hunter. He seemed to be genuinely disappointed.
but Love remained silent. Enough games. You know Grand General Hoskiv is right. If you let her live, you will allow her to keep drawing from the stones, and you know what that means. No, there is no proof. No proof to warrant such mindless slaughter. We are dealing with the official doctrine of the Church of the Goddess, Ludlove. Do you have any idea what's at stake? This is far greater than your petty conscientious objections. Still, I will act according to my conscience which was given to me by the Goddess herself, sir. Despite his anger, Ludlove could read some measure of appreciation in Grundheim's eyes. The mayor admired Ludlove's perseverance. For a moment, it was enough to give him hope. Perhaps he would be able to use that appreciation to convey the rightfulness of his convictions. For a second, he believed he might even be able to settle this hopeless conflict using mere words. But that hope quickly faded when he noticed Grundheim's hand reaching inside his cloak to produce a small copper pistol. It had apparently been loaded in advance, which for a horrible instant made Ludlow realize this whole conversation had been deliberately planned to lead up to this moment. The mayor cocked the pistol and aimed it at Samina. No! Allow me to help you, Ludlow. I might be able to make the choice easier for you. Say, for instance, that I were to take this girl's life. Ludlow. If I did that, you wouldn't have to free her anymore, because, you know, there wouldn't be anything left to free. All cause for deadly foolishness would be gone, and perhaps you would come back to your senses. What do you say to that? He smiled an odiously carefree smile. Ludlow took a step in his direction, his mind racing, trying to think of ways to avoid the weapon from being fired. There was nothing he could do without breaking the code of his order and losing his witch hunter status forever. He knew that. Samina didn't try to hide behind Ludlow but addressed the mayor directly. Please, sir. Listen to me. I will not listen to the words of a witch. Grundheim spat at her with sudden venom before she could even back her plea. Ludlov squarely placed himself between Samina and the mayor's weapon. Do not dare to hurt her. The mayor didn't listen, subtly stepping to Ludlov's right to regain a good shooting position. Ludlov's right arm blocked the way to Samina, but the mayor could easily fire his weapon at her now. He slowly backed away, still pointing the pistol at the girl and smiled again. I'm sorry, Ludlow, but someone will have to do it. Ludlow raised both hands in a gesture of peaceful negotiation. If you spare her, I will... No! First begging, now bribing. I don't recognize you anymore, Ludlow. You should be a witch hunter. Proud, unforgiving, relentless... Let me show you what a real witch hunter would do. With the sudden calculated speed of a snake, the mayor launched his full weight ahead, reaching with his pistol past Ludlow's arm. Then he shot. A deafening blast pierced Ludlow's right ear, and the smoke and smell of gunpowder immediately started emanating through the cell. Ludlow turned his back on the mayor and knelt near Samina's fallen body. Beneath her dress, just below the right shoulder, a crimson stain had started to spread. Her coppery complexion had suddenly turned grey. He put his hand on the wound and pushed, hoping to stop that horrible red stain from spreading any further. He needed something to stem the bleeding, but he couldn't exert too much pressure because the bullet was still in her body. As a shot intended to ensure her death, it had been a clumsy one. But to make her death slow and painful, the mayor had unwittingly aimed just right. It wasn't clear whether the bullet had pierced her lung, but if it had, she would not survive. An understanding hand landed softly on Ludlow's shoulder. It was the mayor's. 
The witch hunter surged upright, grabbed the fine pelt of Grundheim's collar, and with all the power of his anger, he slammed the man against the wall of the cell and held him there. A loathsome cracking of bones sounded from within the mayor's tender body. Coward! Ludlow roared, and again he pounded the thin man's body against the wall, even harder than before. Grundheim was squirming and gasping for breath. His pistol clattered to the cold stone floor as he squeezed his eyes shut in pain and fear. Ludlow turned his face in disgust and, still possessed with the same force of his terrible anger, he threw the mare aside. Grundheim collapsed onto the floor, moaning and squirming for a bit. Then his movements slowed down, and he let out a long, drawn-out, immensely sad whinging like a dog that had been beaten by its master. Ludlow ignored him and turned to Samina once more. The stain had grown and her skin had become even paler. Then he noticed the pistol. Instinctively, he picked it up. It was a delicate thing, made of copper and painstakingly illustrated with gold seven peaks crowns. It had a unique revolving barrel. The barrel allowed the pistol to shoot more than one bullet. At least four were kept inside. It could be fired again. Right now. I, I, I will forgive you for your horrible acts, Ludlow. He heard the mayor slowly utter these things behind him with a broken, breathless voice. One day, you will understand. Uh, thank me for what I did. Ludlow took a long look at the pistol in his hand, then threw it away. He turned to the mayor, who nodded slowly, evidently relieved. Then the witch hunter drew his own pistol and started loading it. The mayor's eyes suddenly widened in panic. A strange sense of honor he did not quite understand told Ludlow that if he was going to do this terrible deed, he should at least use his own weapon. Be silent, dog. He cocked the pistol and aimed it at the cowering mayor. You, you would not do such a thing. You just said you didn't recognize me anymore. Who knows what I'm capable of? Disgust at his own words gnawed at Ludlow's innards. But something else, something stronger, compelled him to continue, even though he knew he was being needlessly cruel. Leaning on his elbow, Grundheim tried to raise himself slightly from the floor, but he didn't get any further than a reclining position. He smiled again, but it was nothing more than a weak and disingenuous expression this time. I am... I am aware of your... (coughs) He spat blood onto the floor. (laughs) Of your morality, Ludlow. You would spare a witch because you admire her innocence. Again the mayor tried to crawl upright, but he slipped on the palms of his hands and fell again. It was bizarre to watch, a pathetic little being clad in the richest of garments that signified power and status, heaving, puffing and trembling, tears of pain and humiliation rolling from his eyes. Ludlow knew rationally that he would always remember this image as one of the saddest sights he had ever witnessed, and yet now he still only felt cold unflinching hatred. Not a shred of pity moved him, even though he knew it would come later. The mayor was now on one knee, trying desperately to get up. I know. You would never kill a dignitary, an unarmed one, no less. Grundheim gave up his attempt to rise on his feet and let out a nervous, embarrassed little laugh. (laughs) You can see how... How powerless I am. He had a grandfatherly expression on his face. 
Ludlov knew he should feel pity. He knew he should restrain himself. He had been trained to remain disciplined in emotional situations, but he felt as if this rational part of himself was losing control, slinking back into the position of a mere outside observer without any control over the actions of his body. He had to fight the impulses. He had to take some initiative against his own indomitable anger. Let me go. Let me leave the city. The mayor shook his head slowly. His expression made it clear even that slight movement was painful to him. I cannot do that, my good man. You have work to do here. I renounce the title of witch hunter. I'm leaving the order. Let me go. The realization of what those words meant didn't fully reach him. But somewhere in the back of his mind, Ludlov could sense a grey broil of mist disintegrating every vision of his future he had once held. The mayor barked out a hollow, cynical laugh that was quickly silenced by a jolt of pain. <laughs> Do you honestly think I will simply... let you go? Without condemnation? Without setting loose the Inquisitors on you? <laughs> he coughed long and loud. I have no time for your meaningless threats, Grundheim. If I don't help Samina right now, she will bleed to death. Forget her! The mayor sounded like a drunkard clamoring in some lost alley. She's lost. Go back to the witch hunters. Go back to who you really are. The man we admired. <sighs> he started breathing more heavily. trickle of blood rolled out of his nostril, but he ignored it and let it drip onto the pristine fur of his cloak. I ad admire you, Ludlov. I... I fear you, too. You know, you... You are... You are a weapon. The greatest... Greatest we have. Ludlov quickly glanced back at Samina and saw how the red stain now covered her breast. He had no time. No time. Go back to being that man. The one we all respect. The one we fear. The real Ludlov. Ludlov still had his weapon pointed at the fallen mayor. Impatience, anger, and fear made his fingers itch and cramp. He shook his head, his eyes wide with astonishment at himself. He knew what was about to happen and could not keep himself from committing this deed. His voice was a mere whisper when he said, No one will tell me what to do. All thoughts vanished from his mind as he pulled the trigger and shot the mayor in the head. Hmm. There was no time. There was not. Ludlove confirmed. Every second counted... And the man kept talking. He was weak. He was wounded and unarmed. You could have let him lie. You could have simply taken Samina and run away. Yes, I could have done that. I have no excuse. He was right, though. He would have sent the city guards and the Inquisitio Internis after me. The expression on Death's face was unimpressed. 
Were you not hounded by them now? Ludlov bit his lower lip and stared into the candle. Death spoke the truth. I want some time by killing him. It sounded pathetically apologetic. He was grasping at straws and he knew it. He quickly glanced towards Death's friendly eyes and then immediately looked down. He had felt this guilt before, when he was alive and on the run. But there was a finality about it now. He had been in the wrong. He had killed a defenseless man. He had committed one of the great sins, an act punishable by eternal removal from the goddess's grace. And there was no going back. I see. You are ashamed. He was more than ashamed, yet he felt a part of the load of his guilt siphoning out of him when he told the truth. I hated him. In that instant when I saw Samina, when I saw the blood coming out of her body, her beautiful face paling unnaturally before my eyes, all life pulling out of her skin. That's when the mayor became the black sickle to me. He became everything I hated. Death's confirming nod somehow betrayed that he had known all of this already and had simply waited for Ludlove to admit it himself. So you have killed a man out of hatred? Ludlove sighed. And not for the first time, I have to admit. I had killed in bursts of anger many times before, but those men had always been cult members or practitioners of the vilest of magic. The mayor was not a nameless symbol of evil. He was a man with whom I had worked, a man with whom I had conversed. It was different. As he spoke these words, he knew in his heart that all the necromancers all the vampires and all the cultists he had slain over the years had once been people, with names and families as well. None of them had been nothing more than symbols of evil. Go on. What happened then? Relieved to move the conversation in another direction, Ludlove continued his story. Ludlov rode through the night. He had bound Semina's shoulder with a simple cloth and taken her outside on his horse. He knew he had to find a healer, but where? There were none in the city who would even contemplate harboring a witch and the murderer of the mayor. He knew that he needed to leave the city. There was only one place outside the city and yet near enough to give Semina a chance. The outskirts. A mass of rickety huts built up against the city walls on top of each other like wreckage from the sea brought by the tides to a high coastal cliff. The outskirts was the name of that place where the destitute and the outcast from the city survived. There were many Sintra gypsies as well. The horse he had stolen was weak and wearied before he had even reached the east gate. Samina was as pale as moonlight. Her life hung by a thread, and if the news of Ludlov's deeds travelled faster than he could, all would be lost. When he did at last reach the East Gate, which was the smallest of the city gates, he noticed a single guard there, standing outside of the small guardhouse next to the gate. The man was yawning. Some luck at last. Ludlov dismounted and concealed his face as best he could. He then walked up to the guard. Wait a moment, the guard said, regaining his posture and clasping his halberd firmly. Who goes there? Ludlov did not answer, but walked up close to the guard and grabbed the halberd with both hands. He pulled the long handle of the weapon outside of his adversary's grasp and pushed it between the guard's legs. He then used it as a lever to trip the surprised guard over. Hey! The man cried indignantly as he fell to the ground. Ludlov kicked the man to roll him over on his belly, not too brusquely but forceful enough so that he couldn't fight back. He then held him down with one boot and knocked him unconscious with the butt of his pistol. The whole series of maneuvers had lasted no more than three seconds. He looked around shiftily and dragged his victim inside the guardhouse. 
The small building was sparsely furnished with little more than a large turning wheel on the wall, a hearth where the fire was almost out, a small table and two or three chairs. Ludlove hastily put the guard on one of the chairs. The man's head rolled helplessly to his chest. Ludlove quickly turned to the gate mechanism. The handle of the large wheel that adorned the back wall needed to be turned to raise the bars that kept the gate shut. It was heavy work, but Ludlove managed to do it single-handedly before the guard woke up. He left the guardhouse, closed the door and quickly made for the horse that was awaiting him. He pulled back a strand of Samina's hair to take one more look at her. Cold sweat gleamed on her forehead. Just as he was about to mount his steed, he heard a voice calling to him. It was another guard. There were normally always at least two guards at the city gate. The second one had probably gone off to buy liquor and now returned. There really were some serious problems with discipline among the city guards, Ludlow thought for a fraction of a second, but then he returned to the direness of his own predicament. He knew he had no choice. The only way he could remain unrecognized was to ride on immediately. He spurred on his horse to charge straight at the unbarred gate and then prance, kicking open the gate with its front hooves. The footsteps of the pursuing guard were right behind him, but the horse still found the energy to bolt off into the night, outside of the city and into the outskirts. A single guard couldn't possibly keep up with him as he deliberately chose a path through a maze of alleyways until he couldn't be tracked anymore. The outskirts were little more than a collection of simple huts made of wood and animal skins, connected by walkways, bridges and ladders, forming a chaotic hole that clung to the city walls like ivy on a steep rock. The hour was late, but even now the streets were illuminated by lanterns and torches. Beggars, dressed in rags, curiously followed Ludlow's horse like dogs expecting a treat. No one seemed to mind Ludlow, let alone fear him. This was one of the few places where not everyone was familiar with the appearance of a witch hunter. The only place where he and Samina could be safe. Ludlow did find a healer at last. By that time, Samina had become so pale and so still, he feared he had already lost her. But the bent old man in the simple wooden shack just smiled warmly. He said she would not die that night, and he was right. Rain drummed incessantly on the wooden roof, while the wind had the shack creaking like the inside of a ship on a restless sea. Ludlow was seated on a small barrel. Spread around him was a mass of books, bottles, dried plants and other ingredients. A small tower of books was topped by a human skull. Various oil lamps and candles provided points of light throughout the room. The witch-hunter's long coat, his hat and his gloves were piled up into a shapeless mound in a corner of the room. He was dressed in his leather jerkin, the black cotton of his laced shirt visible beneath it. He was toying with a large ruby set in the ring on his right index finger while he regarded the healer appreciatively. There wasn't much light in this place at night, but that hadn't kept the old man from removing the bullet out of Samina's body, clean the wound and sew it up again. Now he was resting on a stool next to his operating table, where a bloody pair of calipers and an earthen bowl containing the devilish bullet were the last remaining evidence of what had occurred. Samina lay in the healer's own bed in the back of the room, sleeping restlessly, her breath uneven. But at least she was alive. She had even regained some color in her face. There's nothing more I can do now. She needs rest, my friend. A shot wound is no small thing. She shows much resilience, I must say. He was short and thin, and on his forehead, just below his messy white head of hair, there was a leather belt with a huge copper-framed magnifying glass attached to it. It hung in front of his right eye, enlarging it to enormous proportions. He didn't look anything like the surgeons from the city, but his work had been impeccable. Ludlow stood up. He took a look at Samina, who seemed to be drifting into a deeper, more peaceful sleep. 
No one in the city must know of our whereabouts. The old man shifted on his stool. Oh, well, this sounds rather exciting. What are you running from then, good man? Have you committed some sort of uh, crime? There was no point in lying to this man. Ludlov kept his eye on Semina as he responded. I have killed the mayor of Seven Peaks. The healer's left eye widened almost to the size of the magnifying glass next to it. His jaw dropped and he grew pale. Ludlow hoped the old fellow wasn't going to faint, or worse, and worried he had said far too much, but then the healer unexpectedly burst into laughter. His laugh was both shrill and hoarse, yet it was somehow very infectious. (laughs) Yes, well, I can imagine that being a bit of a pickle to be landed in. He relaxed and raised the magnifying glass like it was the lid of a beer mug. His eyes looked normal now, but his upright white hair spread around the glass still made him look silly in an endearing way. Ludlow caught himself gently smiling. Then he thought back on what he had done to Mayor Grundheim and the smile disappeared. I certainly did not set out to kill him. Believe me, it it happened in a moment of passion. The healer nodded. I think I understand. And you know what I also think? A sort of peace came over Ludlow. It felt like a weight had been taken off his heart now that he had admitted his crime to someone. That you want to deliver me to the city guard? Goodness, no! <laughs> Those corrupt pests? Not in a thousand years! I'd rather believe you had a good reason for what you did. Then what do you think? That there is no better time for a good, strong drink than this one. What do you say, Wachanta? Before Ludlow had any chance to refuse or consent, the little old man had already jumped off his stool. He went to a door next to the bed where Samina was sleeping. With some effort, he managed to pull open the door and disappear into a dark closet. There was a lot of rummaging about, moving things around, opening and closing boxes until at last the healer emerged again, carrying a small stone bottle and two little tin cups. He put the bottle down and blew a thick layer of dust off the cups. It was clear he rarely took out his liquor. He smiled in Ludlow's direction and pulled the cork out of the bottle to pour a clear liquid into the two cups. Let me guess. The healer handed Ludlow his drink. You wanted to save her life. Ludlow took a sip from the cup. It was gin. Good gin, too. He let it caress his tongue for a bit. Who would have foreseen that this horrid day was coming to an end with him having a qualitative drink with an agreeable man? Hmm, not bad. The healer grinned proudly and drank his own cup. Do you love her? Ludlow raised his eyebrows and swallowed. The alcohol warmed his throat. Excuse me? I know, I know, I suppose I shouldn't ask such things. Ludlow shook his head. You saved her life. You can ask a few questions. The old man was obviously still waiting for the actual answer to his question. I barely know her. This was not some impulsive deed born of the sort of passion that a man feels for a woman. He took another sip of the gin as a fierce gust of wind shook the hut once more. Outside... Something made a clattering sound. The healer examined Ludlow's face appraisingly. She and I have urgent and important matters to deal with, Ludlow clarified. Together. He hoped that was enough to satisfy the man's curiosity. He suddenly heard Samina taking a deep breath. He turned and saw her opening her eyes and taking in the environment. She looked around, confused about her surroundings. The others... The magicians... The healer stood up, went to the bed and put his hand to Samina's forehead. Be still, my child. Samina looked at him with fearful eyes. Who are you? My friends here call me doctor. You are a doctor? Well... The healer shrugged sheepishly. My friends call me that, so just 
let's just leave it at that. Ludlow came to stand next to the healer. I don't think there are any official doctors here in the outskirts, Samina. For the first time, Samina regarded him with a look that actually seemed to suggest she was glad to see him. So we are in the outskirts? Indeed we are. And if it weren't for Master Doctor here, we surely would have lost you. The fear in her eyes gradually faded. She then smiled in Doctor's direction. I can't tell you how grateful I am. The old healer shrugged again. I only did what any doctor would do. But you're not actually a doctor. Oh, what anyone named doctor would do then. Ludlow scoffed at the bizarre moniker but patted doctor on the back appreciatively. You may not be a doctor, but you are the best healer I've yet encountered. Samina seems to have recovered remarkably well. Doctor scratched the hair in his neck awkwardly. Oh, well, titles are but titles, aren't they? Witch Hunter. Ludlow had to admit to himself that he rather enjoyed the gentle irreverence this man displayed. You truly are an insightful man, Doctor. He smiled warmly at him. Samina sat up straight in the bed, but she grimaced in pain as she did so. Ludlow, we must return to the city proper and warn the other magicians. Ludlow shook his head. I'm sorry, Samina. I would love to help, but we can't return to the city. You are in no condition to travel and both of us are wanted fugitives. Which is no small matter, Doctor added with a raised finger. Ludlow sat down on the bed next to Samina. There is an alternative. Ludlow showed her the ring on his right hand. Do you see this ruby? Samina took his hand and investigated the gem up close. This is an enchanted stone. The witch hunter nodded. It was a gift, long ago. The ring has a magical property. It allows me to summon an old friend of mine. Now Ludlow made a fist and brought the ruby to his lips as if he were about to kiss it. Then he whispered the name, Fulcrin. Nothing happened right away, as Ludlow knew would be the case. But Samina looked at him expectantly. There was no trace of doubt or skepticism in her gaze. Doctor, on the other hand, shrugged and scoffed. Impressive, witch hunter! Ludlow raised his ringed hand, calling for silence. Listen. The only sounds they could hear at first came from the wind and the rain outside. Doctor frowned, but Ludlow remained undisturbed, knowing that Fulcrin would be here soon. He stood up and made for the wooden door that would lead outside. At once, a sharp, high-pitched noise sounded from behind the door. Ludlow pulled it open, and with a gust of cold wind, something came fluttering inside with the speed of a shooting star. It was a large falcon. Doctor let out a girlish little scream and staggered back to the wall, tripping over a pile of books. Samina, however, simply extended her hand and the falcon made an elegant landing on it, as if she had known and trained with the beast for years. Smiling, Ludlow closed the door. Well, he's never done that before. Doctor seemed to be in utter shock and kept repeating the words, but... How and why, in various orders. He then looked at Ludlow and stammered, This is magic! Ludlow folded his arms and leaned against the wall. Indeed it is. A very old magic. But you're a witch hunter! Ludlow smiled again and put his index finger to his lips. Shh! He loved Doctor's expression. Meanwhile... Samina seemed to be bonding with the bird quite well. What's his name? Fulcrin. Ludlow felt pride when he said that name. Hea Medana, Fulcrin. Samina gently caressed his right wing with the back of her hand. The sinuous movements of her wrist and the beauty of the language she spoke, which Ludlow recognized right away, suddenly gave this simple gypsy girl a regal and majestic appearance. Am I mistaken, or was that Arcanek? The old healer turned back to his cup of gin to soothe his nerves. You are not mistaken, doctor. Does it bother you when I use that language? (laughs) No, no. 
It most emphatically does not wheel us. Many gypsies, both of Centra and Ungra descent, still maintain ties to the old magic traditions, I know that. I wish they weren't the only ones left, Ludlow said, provoking a startled reaction from the healer. Here I thought all witch hunters hated the archaic language and would punish any who still dared to use it. Ludlow sighed deeply. Ah, yes. It was time to explain himself. You are not entirely wrong. But allow me to qualify. There are those who think that way. He didn't even mention that those who thought that way were the vast majority. However, there are also those who hold a more nuanced view. Like yourself, I assume. But why? Why do most hate it? And you do not? Evidently, the old man had seen right through Ludlow's distortion of the proportions. He had to give him more credit. I think you know why they hate it. I'm sure you are familiar with the history of Seven Peaks. Oh, I know what they say in the city. That the seven sacred stones are slowly drawn empty with each use of magic. And since Arcanic is the language of magic... I can see why witch hunters don't want it to be used. That is not my question. My question is, why do I see you smile when your friend here is speaking Arcanic rather than reach for your weapons? It may surprise you, but I do not particularly enjoy reaching for my weapons in every circumstance, Doctor. Ludlow sounded perhaps more bitter than he intended. How could he blame the old man for his prejudice, Ludlow's uniform spoke volumes in the experience of most people. How could anyone guess his true feelings on the subject? Do you know the origin of the language, Arcanic? Ludlow gave him a piercing stare when he asked that question. Doctor recoiled a bit, shocked by the witch hunter's intense gaze, and shook his head. It was the language used by the goddess herself when she revealed herself to Wolfen the founder of our civilization. And did you know that Arcanic was once held in higher regard by the wise than Lingua, the classical language of liturgy and science? That Arcanic was the language used by Santa Gwendala, founder of the Order of the Witch Hunters, when she defeated Kunta Orf? I didn't know those things either, Ludlow. Ludlow nodded. It was as he thought. Few people in the city know much of its history. Suffice it to say that there was a time when the language of Arcanic was held to be sacred by the very church itself. In another time, Samina, those same people who are now hunting you down would have bowed before you. You would have been a dignitary, commanding the highest respect even from the mayor and the grand general. Samina seemed utterly unfazed by this revelation, even slightly disinterested. She was more fascinated by the shining, stern eyes of Ludlow's falcon. You know, it reminds me of you somewhat, Ludlow, your feathery friend here. <laughs> Doctor couldn't contain his laughter, and some of the gin he was drinking burst from his mouth. He swallowed, and with some annoyed muttering, he patted his clothes dry. I don't doubt he's your power animal. I don't understand. Samina slowly turned her face towards him. Well, well. Perhaps I can teach you something. No, no doubt. He left the wall he was leaning on to sit on her bed once more. But first, we need to help your friends. We could write a warning. Fulcrin can send many messages. He had hoped to strengthen Samina's resolve, but she remained quiet and suddenly turned pale again. I can't believe it's real. I can't believe they're really going to do this. I know, Lady Hoskiv. Once she has made a decision, she will not revoke it, no matter how terrible the consequences. He needed to be honest with her. She had to know what was at stake. But do not despair, Samina. We can't save everyone, but we can make a difference. Samina looked up at him, her face a wall of determination. Quickly, I need a quill, some ink and some parchment. No, make that a lot of parchment.
So that was this good week's episode of Witch Hunter. I wish you all a very happy Easter, wherever you are, and we'll be back next week with more Witch Hunter.